Welcome back to Grace Story Podcast. We're here to connect you with education, resources, and community that equip you for the journey of restoration. I'm your host, Nate Davison, and I'm glad that you've joined us here on this episode, a special Memorial Day episode. We have Aaron Perkins here on the program to talk with us about what it means to find purpose in post-military life. Now, Aaron Perkins, he served honorably in the U.S. Army for eight and a half years. That included three tours, two of which were in Iraq and then another in Afghanistan. He has his master's in economic development and entrepreneurship. He's also the host of the podcast, Courage to Fight Again. That's one that I highly recommend and have recommended on the uh, Instagram page for Grace Story Podcast. Aaron has a book releasing this fall in 2020 called Resolve. Aaron, how's it going? Hey, good, Nate. It is incredibly great to be here. So, so honored to be on your show. Well, we're glad to have you. You know, I've been listening to some of your podcasts, uh, not only uh, what I do on the regular, but also in preparation for this. And I want to tell you, you're doing a great job over there. Uh, I highly encourage everyone to go listen to uh, Courage to Fight Again podcast. It's fantastic. Well, thank you. I really, really appreciate the kind words. And every single listener matters, whether you're military or not military. You know, our focus is definitely the veteran. Um, but I, I, I certainly think there is a lot, a uh, lot to be gained from from our show for uh, veterans and non-veterans alike. I agree. I, and I'm glad you said that. You know, there's um, there, there's millions of veterans out there. So, you know, listening to your podcasts uh, as a civilian, people have to know uh, of a veteran in their life that can use that type of help. Uh, but then, as you said, it just crosses over. We're going to be talking today about finding that purpose. Um, and I wanted to have you on to explain kind of your story and then how that translated into this vision you've had for uh, helping veterans to find their purpose after military life. Um, one question I have here, just jumping right out of the gate, what made you want to get into uh, you know, military life in the first place? What made you go into the military? <laughs> Well, I think this is probably going to be going to be the easiest question to answer. It was student loans. So I got my bachelor's degree in music education. I loved music, still love music. I love teaching, still love teaching. But I had planned, my, my whole plan was to just go teach music somewhere. I was like, it's easy and it's fun. What's not to love? But then I looked at my student loans and I looked at my projected income as an educator and I was like, man, that's going to take me like 20 or 25 years to pay off. And the Army said, hey, we'll pay them off in three years. I said, okay, where do I sign? And so that's what started the process. Um, and I initially enlisted for four years. Um, partway through that, I came up on my what was called my reenlistment window. And they said, hey, um, we have some more opportunities for you to continue serving if you want to. And you'll get a big big cash bonus if you want to keep going. And so uh, my four years turned into about eight and a half and the rest they say is history. And, and that's, that's kind of the whole reason behind why I started. Um, but the reason behind staying in, I mean, on, honestly, there was a number of reasons why I reenlisted. Um, I actually reenlisted while I was in Iraq for the first time. Um, and so that was, I mean, that's a whole probably show in itself. Um, but uh, it was a very, very, I will say, unique experience of being in the military. And I tell everybody the same thing. I'm, I say I'm so honored, so glad that I had the opportunity to, to do it 
but I'm so glad I don't ever have to do it again. <laughs> yeah. You say it's a unique experience, but then we talk about, you know, those millions of, uh, millions of veterans out there. It's really a shared, unique experience. One I, you know, I can't relate to, but, um, you know, it seems like you have people on your show that, that are veterans and there comes, you come across similarities, um, or, or the shared experience and you guys just hit it off. Uh, even if you've never met, um, you know, that, that brotherhood, sisterhood, that camaraderie, um, can you tell me a little bit more about your time in the military and, and how that affected you, you know, coming, coming out of that, you made the decision to keep going. You're in Iraq. Uh, what was that like coming towards the end and, and your decision to move on? Sure. Sure. So, um, so when I first went, I went in, in 2006, so we're right at the height of the Iraq war. Um, the, one of the cities in Iraq, Ramadi, was crazy. Was, um, there's another area of Iraq called the Sunni Triangle, which was just, there were a lot of allied deaths, and it was just a crazy time to go into the military. I didn't go into the military with any expectation or any plans to deploy to combat. I knew it was a possibility, but that wasn't my reasoning for going in. I'm like, I'm just going in mostly for financial purposes, just to kind of get my life started right. Um, but then as, as time goes on, and I think this is for just about every person in the military, no matter why you serve, no matter why you chose to sign on the dotted line, um, at some point, maybe it's your first deployment, maybe you're in a training opportunity, maybe you're just standing in formation, you realize it's not about you anymore. It's about the person to your left and right, and that's why you're there. And so my thinking as I kind of neared the what I knew was going to be the end of my career, you know, coming up on that eight year mark. Um, I was just ready to be done. You know, I was suffering from PTSD, anxiety, depression at that time, had no idea. I just thought this is just military life and it's tough. Um, so when I came up towards where I would make a, another decision to either reenlist and stay in, or to actually, you know, hang up that uniform for the final time and, and move on with my life. Um, there was a lot that went into that decision, but the biggest thing I think was I was just worn out because we had been deploying back to back to back. So we would actually start planning for a future combat deployment while we were still in Iraq or Afghanistan. And so that just really, really wears on you. It drains you. Um, and it's, it's tough mentally, it's tough physically, and it's really tough, um, on the families, especially. So, you know, eight years in, that's gotta be a new identity, a new norm for you from, you know, what's pre-military life. What does that look right. like for you transitioning back to civilian life? Sure. Sure. I think the transition for any veteran looks slightly different, but I will say this, I, I will say that my answer now that I'm five plus years out of the military is a far cry from what it was when I first got out. So I got out at, at the end of 2014 on Thanksgiving Day, 2014 actually, and I was ready to hit the ground running. I knew I had experience. I had expertise. I was as confident as ever. I was just ready to, you know, kind of tackle a new mission. But what I didn't have was this renewed sense of purpose. I just knew I was glad to be doing something else with my life. But, you know, I – that, you know, the military has been great, but I'm tired of it. I'm worn out. I need to go do something else. And I, I was just happy to be he heading down a new career path. And the funny thing is, you know, there are several aspects to any veteran's transition, and, and not the least of which is the career aspect. 
Now, additionally, though, there's healthcare, there's family dynamics, there's moving, there's deciding where you're going to move or if you're just going to stay in the local area close to the military installation. There are countless unresolved issues, like I just mentioned, PTSD, anxiety, depression. Um, like you said, a loss of identity, mor- moral injury, the chronic pain, and the list goes on. There's so many things that hit you on day one as soon as you get out. There's really not really much of a ramp to get up to all those things that you're going to be experiencing as soon as you walk off that military installation for the final time. And so once you get your paperwork, and that paperwork is called a DD-214, and all that DD-214 is just a, it's just a regular form that says, hey, Aaron Perkins served in the Army. These are the years that he served. These are the awards he received. This is where he went to combat and that sort of thing. It's just some kind of basic things. But that is kind of the, the ultimate document for a veteran because it shows that you did serve. But there's a weightiness to the transition that I don't know if anyone fully understands until they've experienced it. And, and what I've learned through the years is this, is the transition, it's an ongoing process. No veteran anywhere will get to a point to where they will have, and I use air quotes here, but completed the transition. It is just an ongoing process. So as I'm listening to you talk about this, first of all, it sounds completely overwhelming. Um, but to, like you, you sound like you have a, a ton of choices, yes, but then you have you know, all the things that you've come through, the experience of military life, uh, and you have your pain, uh, you have where you need to go to the hospital for follow-up maybe, you have maybe a counselor that you've been advised to go to, uh, or you know, maybe con- some constrictions as well. Um, what, what was maybe the most unexpected challenge of this transition for you, um, and, and maybe how did you overcome it, or have you overcome it? Man, that, that that's a loaded question. That's another one of those that could that could be a that could be a series of shows. You know, just that question in itself, um, because there are so many unexpected challenges, um, and a lot of times they're just unknowns that you you don't you have no idea about. You've never even considered. Um, but um, the most unexpected challenge I think for me was along the lines of my career and how. PTSD impacted that transition. So let me share just a little bit of that story with you if I can. Absolutely. When I was getting out, like, like I said, it's the end of 2014, I'd submitted a couple hundred resumes and I, I thought I was ready. I was prepared. I knew I had, like I said, a lot of experience, but I honestly had no idea what I wanted to do. I didn't know what, what career industry wise, I didn't know what career skill-wise. I knew the, the skills and the, the abilities the military had kind of instilled in me, but I didn't know where I wanted to apply that. I ended up uh, applying for this one position. It was a project manager position, and in the military, I managed a lot of projects. I thought, hey, this, is, this makes sense. So I got this position, and there were so many red flags with this job. I ignored every single one of them and accepted the job. And those red flags were just, you know, it felt weird. It felt awkward. And, and honestly, my fear took over because it was my fear of, I have to feed my family. I'm not getting a, a check on the 1st and the 15th from the military anymore. I have to do something. 
And so I ignore all these red flags and, and it, it was just really, really crazy. Like I look back like, why did you ignore those red flags? And, and that itself was just a, just a crazy part of it. So, and sorry to interrupt, but you, uh, you talk about being afraid. It sounds counterintuitive to think of a military individual as being afraid of, um, something. It sounds simple, but I guess it's the security of your family. Um, but did you have those types of fears while you're in the military? Is that one of the things overcoming as well? Sure. Sure. So, so here's the thing in the military, everybody, and we have a term called embrace the suck. It's going to be terrible. Just, just embrace it. And so everybody embraces the suck together. That's families, that's soldiers, that's airmen, that's Marines. Everybody understands what that means. And everybody knows it's going to be terrible. And the most unique thing is that everybody goes through it together. That's what you don't have when you get out. When you get out, it's just you. You have to figure out what time you get up in the morning. You have to figure out how often you're going to go to the gym. Because for the last, for me, eight and a half years, someone has told me where to be, what uniform to wear, how long I had to be there, every single thing about my life. And oh, by the way, um, we are we are explaining to you. We're telling you how valuable you are as a person. So um, th- there was really no question about any of that. I, I didn't have to figure anything out. They told me everything I needed to do, and all I had to do was just check all those blocks. But when you get out, you do have that unlimited freedom. But with that unlimited freedom comes, uh, man, what what do I what do I actually do with all this now? And so there is a huge huge element of it's definitely fear. One of the things I'm so glad you brought up that um, that camaraderie or having somebody beside you as you go through it, because one of the biggest things, Grace Story, we try to do here is not just give you, hey, you need to go see this guy over here, or uh, it's the community aspect as well, which is so Absolutely. important. Uh, we're not made to to be by ourselves or be lone rangers. Um, we got to have community to get through. Uh, so bringing you back, you're talking about this, this big challenge and transition. Um, how did you overcome that? What was your next step in that? Sure, sure. So um, to take you back to where I was, I, I accepted this job, right? And it was like an hour, almost an hour and a half, one-way drive just to commute to this job. It was in Austin, Texas. I lived outside of Fort Hood, Texas, my family. And I'm commuting for almost six months. We finally find a house just outside of Austin. We buy the house. We move in. I took a few days off work to do it. The first day I get back to that job that I moved to Austin, Texas for, they said, yeah, we don't need you anymore. And all of a sudden, I'm back to square one. I came back home that day. I looked at my wife. I said, I lost my job. She's like, yeah, right. I said, there are some things I don't joke about, and that's one of them. I said, I lost my job. So for the next few months, we went without work. I was on unemployment. I drove for Uber and Lyft. I responded to Craigslist ads to go do data entry for like 40 bucks because I needed to put food on the table. And it, despite going to Iraq twice, going to Afghanistan once, you know, it, dodging incoming rounds and things like that, the hardest thing we've ever gone through, I think, is as, as a married couple were those months of unemployment. It, I, and I wish I could tell you, Nate, that I could sit here and say, you know what, I handled it with grace and poise and just said, God, well, you're in control. No, I was absolutely freaking out. I said, this makes no sense. It's frustrating. I hate this. God, would you please answer prayer? And finally he did. Um, but 
the thing is, I still have absolutely zero idea of what I'm supposed to be doing, what my post-military purpose is. Um, I was driven. I knew that I wanted to do something and to get a good job or something of that or start a business or something. But I, I, I just knew, hey, I want to take good care of my family. But although I was driven, I really had no direction whatsoever. So being driven, and you you, talk, you say you're trying to find your purpose, um, which I'll, I'll add, I listened to the last episode of your season three, um, and the general you had on was was saying, I believe it was General Dempsey, um, yes. he was saying that veterans absolutely deserve a purpose uh, after their military life. Uh, and I think that's across the board. We all not only deserve a purpose, but have a God-given purpose um, that's not going to find us. We have to find it. Um, Absolutely. So you talked a little bit about your family in this. They're uh, they're definitely affected by this um, in a monetary way, and then you know your emotions are are engaged in this because you you're the provider, and you're you're talking about being alone in this. How else did that? affect your family and maybe even your friends. Um, what, what was that like? I'll just be honest with you. It was brutal. It was absolutely brutal, especially for my family. You know, we go from an environment where literally everything is taken care of. Uniforms, housing, food, healthcare, dental, everything. We even have our own grocery store on the military installation called the commissary. It's great. Everything is taken care of to suddenly, just a few months after I made the leap into the civilian world, we had literally nothing. And, oh, by the way, I, I didn't mention this yet. We had two mortgages because the house we lived in outside of Fort Hood, Texas, we decided to go ahead and rent that out. And then the tenants decided, you know what, we're not going to pay the rent. And so we had to go through the process of evicting them. And I don't have a job. I have two mortgages. And so that was another issue we had to deal with, which of course took time and money and all that. But at the time, the majority of my friends were still in the military. So I don't think they really felt the challenges of what we were going through at the time. Because like I mentioned, you know, you have that tribe in the military. Once you get out, you have to find that tribe. And I hadn't found that yet. So you're painting a picture for me of coming out of um, security that's also married to burnout. Um, and then you come out to no security, um, to, uh, friends that don't understand, uh, family that needs you, um, a two sources of income lost. Um, uh, and then you're having to find ways to pay for two mortgages. Tell me how do you rediscover purpose, uh, in something like that? How did you get, what, what, how did you find purpose through that? Uh, I think early on, um, I didn't. It was as simple as I was just testing the waters to see what worked, um, what seemed like the best path and what didn't. And you know, there was no framework or, or guide or anything like that I could use to kind of step myself through rediscovering purpose in my own post-military life. So even after I found something that felt like the right thing, I was still operating on kind of a short-term mindset. And I thought, man, there really has to be a better way to do this. It, you know, there has to be something out there for, for veterans that does more than simply help them find a job or start a business. And, and here's the thing. There are so many great resources out there for veterans. You want to get a job, there's 100 places to help you do that. Start a business, 100 places to help you do that. You want to 
uh, get some help filing your disability claim because you were injured in the military. And there are so many places that will help you for free to do that. But something that kind of looked at the veteran holistically and said, you know what, here's what we're offering. and, And it's about rediscovering purpose that just wasn't out there. And so rediscovering purpose for me, it required me to be very attentive to what I was feeling and what the environment around me was saying. Can I take a, a little curveball here? Um, because I, I listened to you saying a ton of resources are available, right? You, mm-hmm. you should have resources. What would you say to the people who, who hear you say that, hey, you, you've got the resources. There's a ton of help for you. Um, you should just, you know, get over it. Um, use the resources and move on in a sense. What's, what's your response to those individuals um, as you have, have moved through this and found purpose? You know, I think there are a couple of answers to this question. I'll give you the short answer answer first. Um, the short answer is this. If you're living life with no sense of purpose, you're more than likely to see your life go downhill. And that's veteran and non-veteran alike. You know, whether that's your physical and mental health, your relationships, finances, just about every part of your life is going to feel, I'll say, off. If, if you're going through your life with no sense of purpose, no sense of direction in your life. And, and the longer answer really forces us to kind of dig into what I think you're really asking with this question. It seems to be, why do you need to rediscover purpose at all? You know, like you had purpose in the military, like, wasn't that good enough? Isn't, isn't that plenty? Like, well, sure. In, in part, yes, it was plenty then, but I'm still alive. I can still make a positive impact in the world. Um, and, and it's interesting because that's actually one of the first questions veterans have to come, come to grips with. And we've had a sense of purpose in the past. We know what it's like to do something bigger than ourselves. We know what it's like to be a part of a team and to quite literally make history. So to expect a veteran to look at their military career as the only time in their life where they would be making a difference in the world, I, I think that would be pretty short-sighted because veterans are highly capable and very, very different from our civilian counterparts. So you've kind of touched on some of those differences, um, and I think you, you talk about this a little bit in your book as well, how veterans are different. Um, can you elaborate uh, a little bit more on some of those those differences? Sure, sure. I th- and I think there are three main differences here between a, a veteran and someone who is not one of military uniform. And I, and I just mentioned it earlier, but we know what it's like to live with a sense of purpose. In fact, from what they call day zero, the day you step off the bus at basic training or, or boot camp, one of the most common commands you hear is move with a sense of purpose. It basically means move fast, move like everything around you is on fire because someday it might be. And so that is one of the most common commands you will hear in the military. It's not even an official command. It's just, it basically means hurry up, do it, do it right. But veterans are resilient. You know, we've spent years, some have spent decades bouncing back from adversity through our military careers. And in fact, that's how military training is structured to create that resilience in its members. And, and that's not to say civilians are not resilient, right? I mean, because as COVID-19 has proven, they certainly are. But I think from a veteran's perspective, we have a much different 
outlook on life. Um, and finally, the, the third thing I would say as far as veterans being different is veterans have a wealth of expertise, knowledge, and experience to bring to the table regardless of industry. And I'll ask this question to you, and it's really kind of rhetorical, but what is the number one characteristic that is trained into every member of the military? Leadership. It's baked into the culture that every single one of us is a leader, and that's not something that just goes away. And you've, you've touched on some, some things there, and as a civilian, I, I try to um, you know, see how it applies to me in, in a way. And you, you talked about this COVID-19 um, situation. There is a new norm for everyone. And not only do we have new norms coming out because of that, but I think a lot of, of individuals can see some of themselves in a situation where, hey, I am not the person I was six months ago or 12 months ago. What I found my identity in, whether it was a job uh, a position in middle management, leadership, higher up, whether it was their nonprofit that they were running, whether it was their marriage that they're now out of, their children that are either gone uh, from death or maybe disowned or you, things that people find their identity in. Man, I think this idea that you've gotten onto of finding your purpose after military life, it really crosses over to others as well who just finding their identity after X, Y, or Z. Um, and I want to talk more about your book, which, again, it, it goes to more than just um, just military life, I think. Um, and we'll talk a little bit more about that after the break. But before we go to the break, um, the question I want to ask, many, many of our listeners have friends or family, um, you know, with millions of veterans out there, have friends or family that are veterans going through these things that you've just mentioned. Certainly each one is unique, sure. but... Uh, but there are similarities. How would you have these individuals approach veterans that they care about and how can they best help them? That's a, that's a really good question. I appreciate that. I think the best way to approach it is with genuine care. And I don't mean some off the cuff, well, thank you for your service. I'll be praying for you. But I mean genuinely getting involved and invested in that veteran's life. And I think another thing you can do if you know a veteran, maybe it's a loved one or just someone you're acquainted with, even if they don't seem to be struggling, give them opportunities to be involved and to make a difference in the world around them. You know, present them with those opportunities, help them find those opportunities, bring them alongside you. Because uniquely, you're the civilian in the situation and you can kind of be a guide or a mentor for a veteran who is making that transition and trying to figure out where they fit in the world. Wow. I hadn't actually thought of it that you just turned it on its head. I am the mentor. Um, because yeah, I mean, if I think about it, if I have as a, as a civilian am going into the military, I have to have a military person, you know, invite me in, help me understand the rules, the regulations, the terminology, the vernacular, uh, the lifestyle, you know, you, you were in for eight years, many are in short, longer, uh, when they're coming out. Yeah. Uh, a mentor into civilian life. Um, that's an incredible responsibility really to think about that. I might be put in that position someday to help somebody, um, help find their identity in civilian life. Something I'm accustomed to, uh, I'm it's my norm. 
what does that look like for you and in, in who you are? Right, right. And you know, that, that's, I think it's a challenging situation to be in, right? Because the, the veteran is like, you know what, I don't need help. I'm good. And the civilian is like, well, he said he's good. I guess he's good because you don't want to be too overbearing or anything. But one thing we appreciate as veterans, I think everybody appreciates this, to be honest, but as veterans, we really, really appreciate is when we know someone genuinely cares. They're not just checking the block. They're not saying, oh, it's Veterans Day or Memorial Day, and they post on your Facebook wall and say, thank you for your service. You know, we know who the people are who are genuinely invested in us, and we, we thoroughly appreciate it, even if we don't express it. I think, too, uh, as a civilian, I know I look to uh, those who have been in the military. Uh, you're right, they're, they're leaders, and I look to them as a resource for me. Uh, maybe it's finding a different way to look at them and get past the military background and down to the individual. And I think uh, you've touched on something there of being genuine. And that first starts with a relationship and that takes time and effort. Um, we all know that. Right. Um, so after the break, I want to talk to you a little bit more about, uh, about your book. Um, we'll be right back. This episode of Grace Story Podcast is brought to you by Grace Story Ministries. They want you to know about the Grace Story community page that just started up over on Facebook. Now, this is a place where you can expect to find safe conversation, honest questions and dialogue, live teaching videos by our master's level and field experts, and so much more. Ryan Waters continues to share on that page, along with other notable uh, experts such as Shonda Sugg, Sarah Fry, Mandy Buckland, and many, many more. The men and women who are a part of our email subscriber family have exclusive access to this page, so head on over to GraceStoryMinistries.com and subscribe. That's GraceStoryMinistries.com. So Aaron, I don't want to give away too much about your book because certainly it's coming out this fall. We want people to uh, to get that, and we'll put uh, a link to Aaron's website uh, so that you can stay on top of that, uh, about finding your worth uh, and finding your purpose in, in post-military life. Why was it important for you to cover this topic, uh, and, and why did you get started on it? I think that's simple. It's, it's because unless you know for a fact where your intrinsic value stems from, you're going to be looking for your own sense of value with no realistic rubric or how to evaluate that. And, and really, this goes far beyond just the veteran. I'm sure you have listeners who may look at their lives and think, they have no value or they have significantly decreased value because of decisions they've made or because abuse they've suffered or because of how they've managed their own lives. And as veterans, we're told every day how valuable we are. All we had to do was look down at our chest. It says U.S. Army or U.S. Navy, Air Force, Marines, Coast Guard, there was no question about our value, about where we fit into the organization and about our roles and responsibilities. In fact, there is a sheet that I can look at, like a spreadsheet that I can look at while I'm in the military and see dollar value, how much I'm worth to the military. So I know where my quote value comes from while I'm serving. And so I knew that in the book, I had to address the fact that since we're no longer wearing the uniform, there has to be a place where we can find our unchanging value. So digging a little bit deeper into um, the resource you're putting out in the fall, it, the book's called Resolve. 
Um, it talks many things. One chapter, like you just talked about, is on on worth, um, and it goes deeper than that. What what's the format look like? Is this a is a workbook? Is it a narrative? Is it you know your life story? Um, what are we looking at here? Well, thank you very much for asking. I appreciate the opportunity to share a little bit more about the book. And, and the best way I can describe Resolve is that it is a book that requires action. This isn't a book that you can sit on your couch and read, and once you reach the, reach the end of it, go, okay, I know what my life purpose is. Here we go. It's, it's not a book like that. So throughout the book, readers are asked to do a variety of things. Some of it is simply reading. There are also questions to answer. There are discussion opportunities, and there are a few other things in the book as well. But I think the heart of what I was getting at when writing the book was that I wanted it to be both a launching pad for veterans seeking to rediscover purpose, meaning, and passion in their post-military lives, but also an enduring resource. And I think the most unique aspect of this book is that it was specifically designed to be virtually impossible to complete alone. And I actually designed it for maximum effectiveness in the context of a small group of other veterans. How would you have someone, um, you talked about going through the coming out of of military life and you felt alone a lot. How would you uh, tell someone, or who would you tell someone to go to um, to help complete this workbook? You mentioned veteran buddies. Um, Is there anyone else that you would you know, send them to based on your experience to help complete this? Sure, sure. So um, part, of our, part of our strategy here is to train up a team of leaders across the country who go through, the, who go through where sometimes we call it a curriculum, but who go through the book and they understand that they can kind of preempt some of the questions and they understand how to lead one of those small groups with the idea of after they're done, they go and they recruit a new group. Out of that group, they recruit a new leader, and it spreads like that. Now, hopefully, it'll spread like wild, wildfire. We'll see how it goes because, honestly, we don't know. You know, This book comes out September 15th of this year. We don't know what life is going to look like then, right? We don't know if we're sitting in each other's living rooms or if we're still sitting here staring at screens on a Zoom conference. So um, we'll see how all that goes. Um, but specifically, we are, we are training up. Um, it, it's kind of what we call a train-the-trainer model. And we train a few, and then they go train more, they go train more. Man, I, I love that idea. That goes right along with the core values of what we're about here at Grace Story Ministries is, again, that community and getting plugged in. Um, and, man, if you can have this, uh, it almost sounds like a discipleship model uh, in a way of you know training the trainer and having those go out, uh, mentoring others. Uh, that sounds exciting and something you know uh, that would be great to be engaged in. Um, Looking through this book, I can tell you guys, I, I've seen um, a lot of points made. It is from a biblical perspective, which I truly appreciate. Um, it's, it's a lot of uh, based on the unchanging word. And then I can tell you, you're going to be writing in the margins. I hope there's a lot of margin space in the final print uh, because you're going to make notes. And, and like Aaron said, you, you'll most likely be coming back to it time after time. Uh, one of the things I noticed as I looked through um, the copy I had there's something um, called a um, nine-line framework, which is something I had never heard of before. Can you tell me a little bit more about what the nine-line framework is and uh, how that helps? So the nine-line framework is, well, let me explain a little bit more about where the inspiration for the framework came from. So in the military, 
for any uh, any order that goes out across the radio, when you have to call someone else when you're in combat or in training or whatever it may be, um, the, there's a there's a process for everything. One of those processes, when you have a casualty, is called a nine-line medevac. And appropriately enough, it has nine lines. And so you have a casualty on the battlefield, and so those nine lines, they, they evaluate what shape the casualty is in, how bad they're hurt, whether they're a U.S. person or an ally or an enemy, the specific grid location. Um, they say how critical it is. They say what type of hospital they need to be taken to. And it gives all this information in this nine-line medevac request. And that's kind of where we took the inspiration for the nine-line idea because every veteran anywhere is going to understand nine line and it's going to just resonate with them. They're going to remember it. Um, but the design of the nine line framework, really it's as much a process as it is a simple to follow guide. Because you remember at the top of the show I was, I was talking about, I said there was no guide to follow. And so that's what we wanted to create is to create a guide for veterans as they're working through the book. And so at any point along your journey in the nine line framework, and it's designed specifically like this, let's say you're on line seven. But then you realize there are issues in your life that line three address. The framework is designed to allow and even encourage that flexibility. So it's not a race to the end of the book. And again, it's meant to be that durable, lasting resource. I can tell you guys out there listening, and I, I appreciate you listening in on this. There's different things throughout this book that you're going to get help with, different ways of thinking. Uh, different ways of approaching problems, problem solving, um, and then also just encouragement um, and you are not alone, ways to be engaged. It's not going to give you your purpose, uh, but it's certainly going to be a tool that can help you find your purpose. So going a little bit further on what this resource is, um, Aaron, if you had to put this book in Barnes and Nobles, uh, what, what I label would it have? What, I'm sure you would, <laughs> would it be a self-help? Would it be a philosophy book? I mean, where would you have this in Barnes and Noble? Oh man, that's, that's a tough question because even though it's not a self-help book and I kind of shy away from that term, sure. you know, being, being that it is designed to be completed with a small group of other people. So it's not, and I'm using air quotes again, self-help. I think that's probably the best fit for it as far as genre. Um, possibly even the curriculum genre, but we try to shy away from, from calling it a curriculum because then you get into textbooks and people think, uh, long, boring read, no thanks. So self-help genre is probably the most appropriate place to put that. Gotcha. Are there, uh, are there pre-orders for this resource or, or where, where can I, if I'm listening to this podcast, where can I get my copy? So there will be pre-orders, but in order to be notified of those, you have to head over to our website, courage to fight and click the button that says get the book. There's another button that says get the ebook, and we'll talk about that here in just a minute. But to get on our list to be notified of the book's launch, as well as pre order opportunities, click on the button that says get the book. So let's jump right into what you were just talking about, because that's my next thing. Uh, for our listeners, next step so they can get a little taste of, of what's going to be happening this fall. Uh, what do you got for them, Aaron? Sure, sure. So we put together and ebook specifically for the listeners of Grace Story Podcast. And we posted it on our website not too long ago. It is an ebook called Uncovering Your Unchanging Value. 
And this is written for you if you're a veteran. This is written for you if you are not a veteran. This is written for anyone who has a question about where their value comes from, where their intrinsic value stems from, and how they can understand that, understand that better and approach life with more of a confidence knowing my value is unchanging. To get that resource, head over to CourageToFightAgain.com, click on Get the eBook, um, drop your email, and we'll send it right to you. So we'll put in the show notes uh, the link to Aaron's website so that you don't have to go too far to get to that. We'll also have uh, our website there as well so that you can go submit and join the, the community page there on Facebook and get connected to the Grace Story community. So Aaron, if there's one thing you can leave with our listeners that if they got nothing else out of this podcast um, today, this episode, I mean, of course they're going to go to the websites, but if there's nothing else they get out of this, what would you want them to hear from you on this episode today? You know, Nate, I know we've talked a lot about my experience in the military, my transition out and the book and everything, but I would really, if there's one thing I would want them to take away from that, it honestly, it's none of that. It's what one thing I mentioned earlier is I want your listeners to finish this episode knowing beyond the shadow of a doubt that they are intrinsically valuable. It's not about what they've done. It's not about what's been done to them. It's not about how fast they can run, how well they can do math, or even how many kids they have. I want them to remember that their value never changes. And, and I know we're kind of wrapping this up, um, and, and I, I don't want to get too far ahead of ourselves. And I know we just talked about the ebook a little bit, um, but that is one thing I want them to remember is that your value never changes. No matter what you've been through, no matter what you've done, no matter who you think you are, your value stays the same. Absolutely. Uh, couldn't agree more with that. Um, and, and Aaron, I know I have you kind of hostage on here when I say this, but uh, I'd love to have you back on the podcast, even if it's closer to the release of uh, the, the book, um, Resolve. Um, and I, I don't know if you'd commit to that right now, but talking, maybe breaking down some of the chapters and the concepts you have in the book. Um, I don't know if that's something you'd be interested in. Absolutely. I would love to be back on the show. I would, I, I've enjoyed, I've enjoyed my time already and I would definitely love to be, uh, be a, be a guest again. Good. I, I, I figured that was a good time to ask you. Uh, I really do appreciate having <laughs> you on the show today. Um, it's been a pleasure. And during this time surrounding Memorial day, we, we do thank you and all veterans for their service. Um, we also take uh, a time to step back and remember those who have given the ultimate sacrifice, um, so that we can have conversations like these and have the freedom to find our purpose in Christ and uh, what we're going to do in this world uh, to further his kingdom and be of value uh, to others. Thank you so much for joining us for this episode of Grace Story Podcast. We hope you'll come back in two weeks and listen in as we talk with Shonda Sugg. She's a licensed counselor, and she's going to be building on some of the concepts that Ryan Waters has already touched on during this podcast. And she's going to be covering adverse childhood events how they were developed, what they are, and what do they mean for us on our journey of restoration. Tell your friends and family and join us next time. We'll see you then.